sufficient, authoritative word of God. This is the word of God. Please hear the voice of Christ. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall the saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything but to be, except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor, peop- nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. And in verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. Just like to place a tag upon the text before us this morning, Christian impact, a call to action, a call to action. Let us go before our Lord in prayer and ask him to bless our time as we are in the scriptures with one another. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for being great, for being excellent, and we just shout a hallelujah, and we shout hosanna in the highest. Lord, thank you for the love that you have demonstrated towards us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died. You have already demonstrated your love. Father, help us to bask in the glory of this love and to live out the calling which, with, with which you have placed upon the lives of those who are in Christ Jesus. Father, today, help us to uh, no longer be satisfied with just the title of Christian. But help us to be Christians. Help us to fulfill the divine calling of living in this world, being a living sacrifice that others may come to know the Savior. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would just wage war against Satan right now as your word is being preached, that you would tear down and cast out any satanic, demonic stronghold in the name of Jesus right now that you would set captives free, that one who is blind would now uh, be exposed to your amazing grace, and they would shout, I I once was lost, but now I am found, was blind, but now I see. So, Father, give us sight, give us hearing. May you replace hard hearts, hearts of stone with hearts of flesh right now. Help us to care about what you care about. Father, be with us. As we journey through your word, may you please take my weak and foolish words, anoint them, strengthen me, hide me behind your cross. May we be ever careful to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. Father, please speak. For your servants are listening. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Make sure you get your Bibles with you. We'll be looking at various passages of, of Scripture. This is, a, this is a serious text. This is a heavy text. And this text is, is coming on the end of Jesus' teaching in the Beatitudes in verses 1 through 12. He, Jesus caps off this teaching in verses 1 through 12, this section of Christianity 101, and, and he gives us the implications and expectations of being Christians. That's what we've been talking about. The Beatitudes are, are not a list of, of, of to-dos that you strive for in order to be Christian, How, uh, but they are a a representation of what your life looks like when you are Christian. Again, if if the followers of Jesus would just behave and act like they know Jesus, how different would your circles of influence be? I'm not even talking about the world yet. I'm talking about your home. I'm, I'm not even talking about your whole job. I'm talking about your little cubicle section. What would it look like if those who say they're Christian would just be Christian? This is what Jesus is concerned with in teaching his disciples, not to just fill up on uh, philosophy or knowledge, 
but to live out who we've been called to be. What Jesus wants us to see in this text of Scripture is that Christian character causes disciples of Jesus to live in a way that our being becomes a blessing to those you come in contact with each and every day. Your being should be a blessing. When people see you, they should be excited that you're coming their way. When folks see you, they shouldn't turn out of fear because they like, oh, no, here they come. Just as we receive blessings from being Christian from God, the people you come in contact with each and every day should receive a blessing because you have walked into their lives. This principle, this paradox is, is, is not foreign to, to Scripture. This is consistent with all of Scripture. When you look throughout the text of Scripture, we are always presented with the concept of you are before you act. You are before you act. This, this, what this means in technical terms is the indicative always comes before the imperative. God is always telling you who you are before he tells you how to be. He is reminding us of our identity before he says, I want you to do something. A lot of times in our Christian circles, we want people to do before they even understand who they are. You got to understand who you belong to, who you identify with, what God has, uh, what transformation he has brought in your life before you can even move out of that. Before you can obey, you must understand who's given those commandments in the first place. This is why I love the whole, the entire book of Ephesians. The Ephesians is a textbook challenge of the indicative before the imperative. In, in chapters 1 through 3, Paul is just sitting back reminding us who we are in Christ Jesus. Blameless before, before the, uh, the, the foundation of the world. We are a recipients of grace. We have received a, the dividing wall of hostility has been torn down in Christ. We are able to walk into his presence with joy and gladness because of what Jesus has already done. And because of that, now we are to be obedient to our parents. We are to love our, uh, our wives and respect our husbands. We are to watch what comes out of our mouths. You will never be transformed until you understand who, uh, what your identity is in Christ. Scripture deals with what a Christian is, identity, before it explains what a Christian does, behavior. We, uh, what Jesus is referring to, he's talking about how this internal virtue, this internal character that has been wrought in you through the work of the Holy Spirit now produces and manifests an external change, an external reality. And now the Christian, because of who they are, can impact the world. That's the only reason we're around, beloved. Why are you still here after you was born again? Why, why did Jesus just leave you in that job? See, see, many times we think that we come to Christ and now he's going to bring me out of some situations. And we wish it was like that, don't we? But, but a lot of times God will save you in the midst of a situation in order that you may bring transformation into that circumstance. He don't want to bring you out because where you are, folks need to see Jesus. If God only wanted you to be saved, he would have saved you and brought you home to glory right at the same moment. We'd, we'd have been caught up as soon as we said, Lord, forgive me and please come into my heart and be my savior. If, if, if that's what it's all about, we'll be gone. But God has a purpose and a plan in this world that he is bringing about through his people. Through his people. He has a kingdom plan. He's a kingdom architect. He's not worried about just building one building. 
He's talking about covering the entire earth with his glory. He's not just worried about your, your, your piety in the sense that he's just concerned about your righteousness. He, his, he has said in scripture, he is working at the, the glory of God will cover the earth like the oceans uh, and the waters covers the sea. He has a kingdom plan that he allows us the privilege to be a part of. So what I submit to you this morning, beloved, being a Christian is a call to action. You have a divine duty that God wants you to fulfill. I can't fulfill what he wants you to do, and you can't fulfill what he wants me to do. If you ain't doing what you're supposed to do, then the, then the Lord, he's gonna, he, that's going to be on you. But that's another reason why salvation is so sweet. Because the Lord says, I I only want to use you to accomplish this. You're, you're so specific and unique that God, he, he's saying that only you can accomplish this particular task. And when you walk in your calling, when you walk in your purpose, you are giving honor and glory to him because only you can fulfill this specific purpose. Being a Christian is a call to action. Christianity is not to be looked at. It's to be lived out. This past week, we had the opportunity to, to take, our, uh, take our family and, and the girls, the oldest two girls, Nadia and Nehemiah, to participate in the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. They have this superstar competition. So every year on Oaks, kids go out of school, uh, they, have this, they have this competition that in the morning, there's like 12 different events, and then the, the children, you can pick six events to compete in. So they have things like the four, uh, the four hundred yard uh, run. They have the uh, hundred yard dash. They have tennis serving, baseball throws, soccer kicks. They have all these different events that you can compete in, and 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 the girls they they, they do they do well, and they did well this past weekend. And as they were leaving, they called their name and they gave them these trophies, and they were so excited to receive these trophies. They did a a great job competing, and these trophies represent what they have accomplished. So they bring those trophies home, and then all of a sudden, I, I don't even see the trophies no more. They're, they're somewhere in the house. I, I think they might be in the pile of trophies that they got last year or even the year before that. But at, but at the moment, when we, when we win trophies, we like to put them on the shelf, and we like to look at them, and they remind us of the accomplishment with, that we have made in life. And beloved, sometimes... We treat our Christianity like it's a trophy to be put on a shelf. We, we sit and we admire what happened way back when. You remember when I was seven and I walked the aisle and I, I accepted Jesus as my Savior? You remember when I was 11 and I was baptized? And, and we can find ourselves as Christians looking at our Christianity in the sense of something that happened a while ago. We happy that it happened, but it's not relevant to our lives right now. We sit in church looking like trophies. We go to work looking like trophies. Folks, this world don't need we this folks, this world doesn't need trophies. This world needs competitors. This world needs participants. This world needs people to get up and to do something. In the name of Jesus. So it's, it's not good enough just to, to mosey into the office and, 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 and make sure people know, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Christian. Like, you so Christian, you take your Bible to every meeting. You just want people to know you Christian. You got verses posted up, but let something go wrong on your job. You sending emails going off on everybody. You, you gossiping at the water cooler. Folks, they can't tell you Christian, but you want them to think you Christian. If you belong to Jesus, your life will accomplish kingdom purposes. There's no bench warmers on King Jesus' team. You can't, you, you can't sit back and expect someone else to do the job when God has called you to get busy for the kingdom. 
followers of Jesus, we, we must reject a wallflower faith. Y'all know what a wallflower faith is. Yeah, you, you, you at the party. Everybody out having a good time, but you standing up against the wall. Like, like you put on your nice outfit or you just got your hair done so you ain't trying to sweat it out. So you just up against the wall trying to look good. Every now and then you get a, you know, you, you get a little sway on, uh, but, but you sitting up against the wall. You ain't, you ain't talking to nobody. You ain't dancing. You just on the wall. Folks, this world needs people who are going to get up off the wall and, and, and participate in order that they would see Jesus. It's through genuine Christian witness this world will encounter and experience the power of salvation. It is through genuine Christian witness this world will encounter and experience the power of salvation. In other words, what Jesus wants you to know today, what he wants me to to, to, to know today is that disciples of Jesus invoke worship in this world. Invoke. We, we bring about worship because of our lives. We bring about worship because of our acts. Invoke to, to call for, to call upon, to put into effect. When, when, when Jesus is saying that we should invoke worship, that means when you come around, things should actually change for the better that he wants to use your life in that capacity. And two, two ways in particular I want to dive in into this morning. Disciples of Jesus invoke worship through their distinction and through their devotion. Disciples of Jesus invoke worship through their distinction and their devotion. So in verses 13 through 15, we see a, uh, a disciple's distinction invokes worship in this world. Verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on the hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. Again, Jesus wants you to know you are, you are salt, you are light. These indicatives are a, a these are a statements of fact. You are the salt of the earth. Jesus wants his people to enter into all of the earth and to become a, a preserving substance in a world that is decaying and putrefying. Salt preserves. The chemical process that takes place when a piece of meat is left sitting is that it begins to decompose. The bacteria and the germs begin to work its way through the meat and begin to, to cause it to, to stink and to fester and to become something that is not uh, edible. But what, 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 what Jesus is saying is that followers of Christ should impact the world in such a way that you, you retard, that you hold back the, the decaying process of this world. That because Christians are here, we are actually holding back wickedness. We're actually holding back evil. We're actually holding back that sin, which is such a stench before God. Beloved, God is calling us to impact this world, to keep this world from dying itself. God is calling us to preserve rather than allow this world to putrefy. So when we make statements like, I ain't getting involved, that ain't none of my business, I'm just going to leave that alone. If you know a, a family friend or loved one that is in a situation of decay, 
a situation of despair and a situation of death, and you don't involve yourself and they don't love Jesus, you are allowing that person to become a stench to God themselves. Their sin would decay their life from the inside out. You've seen rotten lives. You've seen lives impacted by sin. And, uh, and now it is nothing but a stench to the Lord. We can't make anyone do anything, but we need to be involved in speaking the truth and, and helping people understand. Whoa, whoa slow down. Don't, don't go that way. Don't head that way. You need to change. You need, you need Jesus in your life to transform you, to give you new affections and new desires. Salt preserves in a lost and dying world. But then also salt seasons in a world full of dullness. Many of the uh, people uh, we run into and in, in this world system, folks just bored with life. And, and, and when you're bored, that, that's nothing but, but how they used to say, the devil's playground. When you're bored, you'll find some trouble to get into. You sitting at home on Friday and you bored and ain't nothing to do, you're going you to make some phone calls to try to get into something. This world has a sense of, of dullness because the, uh, this world really doesn't have anything sweet to offer. Everything the world is offering, everything that Satan is offering leads to death. The television shows we watch lead to death. The music we listen to lead to death. Some of our friends that we, that we call our, our best friends are leading to death. And, and this dullness, and we, and we can't figure out why our life is so, uh, so low and boring. Jesus wants Christians to come in and bring some life. He wants us to bring some seasoning to, to a world full of dullness. You know that God wants you to bring some flavor to your situation? You think being a Christian is boring and dull? Jesus actually, actually wants you to liven things up by helping people understand just what they're missing. Oh, what it feels like to not... To, to not walk around with guilt, shame, and condemnation on your back. What it feels like to, to be able to walk in the freedom that Jesus actually gives to those who belong to him. I, I can actually live and actually have joy because I know Jesus has set me free. But if we're walking around like we've been sucking on prunes, why would the world think the Christian life is anything exciting? We are to be a benefit, a blessing. This is what Paul says in Colossians 4 and 6. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. He's talking about a, a way of communicating with other people that you are up, uplifting, that you are helping, that you are being a blessing to. Jesus says you are salt. As I was studying this, it was interesting because I came across some, some verses, passages of Scripture that, that began to talk about a covenant of salt. I, I hadn't noticed that before. In Leviticus 2.13, it talks about this, this covenant of salt. More specifically, in Numbers 18 and 19, turn with me right there right quick. In Nehemiah, I'm sorry, in Numbers the 18th chapter and the 19th verse. The use of salt was a heavy part of the ritual temple sacrifices. The use of salt was part of God's plan when sacrifices were given on the altar. Here in Numbers, the 18th chapter and the 19th verse, all the holy contributions that the people of Israel present to the Lord, I give to you and to your sons and daughters with you as a perpetual due 
It is a covenant of salt forever before the Lord for you and your offspring with you. What in the world is God talking about this covenant of salt? What he is saying is salt became representative of something that, that, that was lasting. The covenant of salt was a symbol of faithfulness. It was incapable of being violated. So when God is saying, I am making a covenant of salt with you, he's saying the covenant starts today, but it's going to keep going tomorrow. And it's going to keep going the day after that, the week after that, the month after that, and the year after that. The covenant of salt is God saying that my word is true. My word is faithful, and I'm going to always be with you. So when Jesus is looking at Christians and he's saying, you are the salt of the earth, he's saying, don't just be a, 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 a purifier, a, 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 a seasoning additive, something that, that, that keeps from uh, decay just one day. You need to be that every day. You need to have a perpetual uh, uh, life of blessing on those you come in contact with. Don't just act saved on Sunday is what he's saying. He said act saved on Monday, act saved on Tuesday, act saved on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Be a perpetual source of faithfulness in this world. Don't be sometimey. Don't be funny acting. Oh, it's nothing worse than a funny, funny acting folks. You see them one day, they are, hey, how you doing? You see them the next day, they ignoring you. You're like, what happened? What I do? What I God is saying, your witness to the world shouldn't be funny acting. Folks should be, see a consistent example of what it means to be a Christian when they see you. Now, will we fail sometime? Oh, yes. But praise God, we can be by repenting and, and, and pursuing Jesus. When we wrong somebody, don't, don't just tell God I'm sorry. You need to go tell that person you sorry. If you stole from my house, but you told God that I'm, I'm sorry, you still need to restore what you stole from me. So there's some restitution you need to make. People need to see that you are real about your faith. That God actually impacts your life. Jesus says you are salt, but he says you are the light of the world. You are. Light exposes darkness. The light of Christ within his people exposes sin. It exposes lies. It exposes some stinking thinking. It exposes what is wrong. When, when light shines, darkness flees. You know how it is early in the morning, because I know y'all do y'all devotions real early in the morning. So when you turn on that lamp, you, know, you go sit at your desk and it's all dark, but you turn on the lamp, you don't need a whole lot of light. You just need a little light to dispel darkness. When, 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 when Jesus is saying, you are the light of the world, he is saying, you ain't got to have your high beams on. You just need to show up and shine the light that you got already, and you will dispel the darkness that is around you. Sometimes that darkness comes in. You need to have a talk with somebody saying, you know what? This is how God really wants us to live. You ain't got to come like, oh, you wrong, you stupid. No, it's like, let, let me explain. Let me, let me, let me teach you what, 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 how, how Jesus actually wants your best. And you begin to teach people the word of God. You're given life. You don't have to be a theologian or a biblical expert to teach somebody. Uh, uh, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You ain't got to be a theologian to say, look, what God has done for me, he can do the same for you. And you just sound whatever light you got, but as Christians, we got to expose the darkness. It's so many lies running rampant out there right now. It's so many lies that our children believe. Our children actually believe that parents are their enemy. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Parents, we ain't the enemy. We trying to help you out. 
We're trying to make sure you got lunch. We're trying to make sure you got, let me get my hobby horse right now. But sometimes our children can expose the darkness in our own hearts. And our children expose our hypocrisy as parents. And our children expose us when we say stuff like, do as I say, not as I do. And our children expose us because we act like Jesus got power on Sunday morning when we shout and sing hallelujah. But when we go home, they see us acting just like hell every other day. And our children expose us. The light of Scripture dispels these lies. Light exposes darkness, but then light, light just shines. Light makes it impossible to hide in the darkness. And beloved, Scripture reminds us that true Christians can't hide. True Christians just can't hide. Because you can't help be who God has created you to be. I was going to walk us through a bunch of scriptures. Right now, I want you to look for yourself. In the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah, God is talking about the future glory of Israel. Oh, man, it's a good, we going there. Let's go. Isaiah. Isaiah 60. I want you to see what, what Jesus, Jesus is sweet. He's reaching back into the Old Testament and showing New Testament Christians how to live. So in Isaiah, the 60th chapter, in verses 1 through 3, God is dealing with how uh, the future glory of Israel when Israel comes, to the, comes back to the Father, he will use them to be a light to all of the nations. And through their light, the nations will pursue God. So Isaiah, the 60th chapter, verse 1, he says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. So God himself, is he's showing up in their midst. And he is bringing light with him. And he says, for behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you. The world is in darkness. I'm going to fix that darkness by making you a source of light. And his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light and the kings to the brightness of your rising. God is saying, I'm going to purchase a people. And I'm going to fill them with my glory with so much. They're going to be saturated in my glory that all the world will see them shine brightly and they come to me and give me glory. Turn with me to verse 19, same chapter. Huh. This is why I believe the Apostle John is picking up this theme. In verse 19, he says, The sun shall be no more, your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give you light. That sound familiar? But the Lord will be your everlasting light. And your God will be your glory. Your God will be your glory. It ain't going to be you shining. It's going to be the light of Christ shining through you. It's going to be because he has so permeated your being with his glory, you're going to shine forth. And then he says in verse 20, your sun shall no more go down. No, your moon withdraw itself, for the Lord will be your everlasting light. And your days of mourning shall be ended. Your people shall all be righteous. They shall possess the land forever, the branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I might be glorified. The least one shall become a clan, and the smallest one a mighty nation. I am the Lord, and it's time I will hasten it. But watch what Jesus does. He reaches back 
to this Old Testament terminology. And then he says, you are the light of the world. The city set on the hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under the basket. But it gives light to all in the house. What is, what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying that you, as, uh, as his followers, will be so filled with his glory that you can't help but shine in this world. That's why we read at the beginning for call to worship Philippians, the second chapter. We putting this together. Because Philippians, the second chapter, verses 1 through 11, he's talking about what Jesus has done by getting up off his glory and coming down and manifesting it to us, demonstrating his humility. That's why he is king of kings and lord of lords. And that's why at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess. And then immediately after the work that Jesus has done, Jesus is leaving a people behind. He's leaving a night light for the darkness because he says, therefore, why is the therefore? It's because Jesus has done something. Therefore, my beloved, because Jesus demonstrated his humility, because Jesus came down, because Jesus set us free, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So what is he saying? He's saying, I will come in you and begin to work through you for the purposes of this world. And when I work through you, something's going to happen. Do all things without grumbling. When, when Jesus is working through me, my actions are going to change. Do all things without grumbling. Or disputing that you may be a bl be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked, crooked and twisted generation in the midst of darkness among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Jesus is bringing this Old Testament understanding of light and saying, it, God is coming. God is going to show up in the city. But guess who God uses to show up in his city? He's using New Testament saints who have been filled with the Holy Spirit, who are now working out of their salvation to show everyone the light of Christ. Notice what happens, however, when Christians don't live out this new covenant calling on their lives. What happens when we don't live according to the new covenant we have in Christ? This, this, this grace that we have received. He says, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. A city set on a hill can't be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand. Jesus is saying it makes no sense for salt to lose its saltiness. And it makes no sense to light a lamp and hide it. If you are not walking out, living in this calling, you are nothing but useless salt and hidden light. Beloved, I say this with fear and trepidation on my heart. But when Christians refuse to be gospel witnesses, we refuse to be Christians. Jesus is saying, if you aren't in the world being sought and liked, you are useless. 
If you are not being obedient, if you are not being witnesses, if you aren't, if you aren't sharing the gospel, if you aren't ministering to people, if you aren't discipling people, beloved, I was fearful of this point in the sermon because Jesus makes it so plain and it makes me scared. Because so many people go to church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday being poured into but never pouring out. And if you are never pouring out, then Jesus says your Christianity is useless. What you here for? If you ain't being Christian, why should I even use you? One scholar, he says, there is nothing in God's universe that is so utterly useless as a merely formal Christian. I mean by that, one who has the name, but not the quality of a Christian. These are the people that Paul is talking about in 2 Timothy 3 and 5, that he says, having the appearance of godliness but denying his power. Avoid such people. Avoid those folks who say they saved, but don't act like they saved. Salt and light taken together, these identities actually help us to understand an even deeper concept going on right here. Christian impact on this world is not just physical, but primarily spiritual. And ultimately, these metaphors of salt and light represent the disciples of Jesus being heralds of the new covenant, inviting people to glorify their Father in heaven. The metaphors of being salt and light is Jesus saying, you are my new covenant creations. You are my new covenant creatures. Now go and make sure people see the gospel in your life. We know this. Jesus says in Acts 1 and 8, And I will pour out my Holy Spirit, and you shall be what? My witnesses. In 1 Peter 2 and 9, Jesus speaking through the apostle Peter says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Why? Because he just loved you so much? Because he think you just so special? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Jesus saved you so you can go, uh, go tell another beggar where to find bread. Jesus saved you in order that you may say, this is how I came out. This is how I came over. This is how the, the Lord used me to come into his kingdom. And this is how you can too. Through faith and repentance in Jesus. That's why we're here. We are walking witnesses of the new covenant in Christ. Beloved. You are the gospel on display. I am an eschatological echo. I am a salvific shadow because of what Jesus has done for me and what he has done in my life. Now, when I go out into the world, people should see Jesus in such a way that, that they would begin to worship. This is what verse 16 is talking about. Let your light so shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Because of who Christians are, Christians ought to act. And it's this attitude of action which fuels Christians' devotion. Jesus is saying, don't just talk about it. Be about it. 
Let your light in the same way. In what way? In the same way a city is sitting on a hill giving light. In the same way that a, 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 a light is turned on and darkness is, is dispelled. In the same way, let your light shine before others. What is Jesus saying? The light of Christ that is in you to be on display for others. And he is saying, don't just shine in church. Don't just shine in here. Shine out there. In the same way, let your light so shine that they will see your good works. They will see your good deeds. They, they will see your little light shine. It's interesting here, the same word Jesus used for good works can also be interpreted righteousness. So he, he's saying that they may see your righteousness. And when they see your righteousness, when they see your righteous deeds and your righteous disposition, that means a righteous attitude, that they will give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And I, was just, I was just chewing on that. That they would give, sometimes I would say that and not really understand what's going on. They would see my righteousness and give glory to your father. What you mean give glory? And then the Lord opened my eyes. He's saying to give glory to God means that this person begins to worship. When we show up on Sunday and we say hallelujah, glory to his name, we are giving worship to God. And, and why do we give worship? Because we have experienced him personally because he saved me and he raised me. I now give glory to his name. So when Jesus says that they will see your good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven, he is saying that you will begin to invoke worship from your own life and people will come to know Jesus because of what you do. People will know Jesus because of how you walk. You walk like Jesus. You talk like Jesus. You look like Jesus. And you love like Jesus. People will encounter you and begin to worship Jesus. If, if, if my new covenant character is that important, then I must be mindful of how I'm acting in the world. Because just as the Lord would use my new covenant character to draw people to worship him, Satan will use my sin and brokenness to repel people from Jesus. Are you drawing people to Jesus? Or are you pushing people away from Jesus? Disciples of Jesus invoke worship because of their devotion to the cause of Christ. Lastly, a, dis a disciple's dependence invokes worship. And this is just our hope. Because it, it's Christ who shines through us. We shine because of Jesus. We are to reflect the same gospel by which we've been saved. If we lose our distinctness, our saltiness, or if we fail to shine, then, then there's a problem. We are, we are either an unbeliever or we are disobedient. And when that happens, we need to be restored. You know, I was thinking about how electrical tape can fix anything. When I was little, if you gave me a roll of, of duct tape, I could fix anything. You just, you just keep using that duct tape. You got a tape. You got a wood table in your house right now with duct tape. I know you do. You just turned it around so don't nobody see that leg. I mean, like duct tape can fix anything. So we use it on anything and everything. See, beloved, when you end up broken and beyond repair because you ain't been living a life that you should be living in Christ, see, we don't use duct tape 
but we run to the blood of Jesus. Because the blood of Jesus can fix anything. The blood of Jesus can fix any situation or circumstance. The blood of Jesus will build you up where you're broken. The blood of Jesus will heal you where you've been cut. The blood of Jesus will give you a right mind in order to speak the glories of Christ. And the blood of Jesus is what saves. And my te the text of Scripture tells me that if I confess my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me of my righteousness because the blood of Jesus fixed that too. Beloved, does your witness invoke worship? Christian lips and lives should match. Salt and light have a tangible effect on what it touches. In this world, there's only two categories. Children of light and children of darkness. To whom's family do you belong? This is a call to action. To be Christian. We become Christians when we repent from living for ourselves. And we turn towards Jesus by faith to save us. Beloved, I say to each and every one of us here at Forest Baptist Church, don't keep talking about it. It's time for us to be about it. Let's pray. Lord, you're a good and faithful Father. Thank you for this amazing and mighty word. It's so rich. It would take days to get through it. But Lord, I, I beg and, and I pray that you would take this little morsel that you want to impact our hearts and our souls, and that you would bring revival in this place. Help us to be a people who live out our Christianity and that we won't just look at it. Father, may we invoke worship wherever we go, that we will encounter people and lead them to Jesus with our witness, and with our words. Father, make us a people who will go ye therefore and make disciples. Father, have mercy on us because we think more highly of ourselves than we are. May we be humble before you just as you humbled yourself, came down, and took on the form of a man and died the death that we deserve. Yet, you lived a life that we could not live. Father, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen.